Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Bossed Up Podcast, episode 156. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And in honor of September and all the back-to-school vibes this time of year always gives me, I'm really excited to dive into today's topic about whether a graduate degree is worth it. So if you're someone who is considering career transition via grad school, via going back to school, full-time or part-time, Today's episode is perfect for you. So stay tuned because we have an exceptional conversation ahead. I also want to make sure you saw that Bossed Up Bootcamp, our one-of-a-kind weekend for women navigating career transition, is coming to Washington, D.C. this month, September 28th and 29th. I am so excited to bring Bossed Up back to the city that started it all. We've got an incredible group coming, including some really outstanding members of the Bossed Up trainer team, myself included, and I am so excited for our weekend-long training program that covers everything from clarifying your career vision to assertive communication, negotiation, mindfulness and happiness, love and relationships, plotting out your next steps to achieve your goals in a sustainably successful way, and so much more. We've got an incredible guest, Tiffany Ingram, who you've heard on this podcast before, will be joining us to share how to dress like a boss for any body type over our happy hour on Saturday evening. And then after our morning workout class together on Sunday, we're headed to a bottomless mimosa brunch, mimosas on me, when you'll hear from our finance speaker, Chris Caruso, my financial advisor, who you've heard here on this very Bossed Up podcast as well. It's a star-studded event as far as Bossed Up is concerned. And I'm really excited for the incredible group of women who are joining us there. And I should say that Bossed Up Bootcamp is for women of all ages, at all different stages of their career, and all different fields, in fact. But the one common denominator is that we are all considering change. And change is scary. It's totally natural for us to fear change, for us to be confused about how to change and in which direction we'd like to change our careers and how we are going to make it happen. This weekend is a catalyst for transformation and change in your career and your life. So if you're striving for more, make sure to head to bossstep.org slash bootcamp and register to join me in DC. If you can't make it this month in DC, we're in Los Angeles this November 17 and 18. Then we're on to San Francisco in February, and there are more 2020 dates I'll be announcing soon. 
All right, without further ado, let's dive into today's topic. This has been a topic of conversation that comes up in the Bossed Up Courage community on Facebook quite often. And in fact, I had a blog interview that I did last September with Maggie Germano, who is a money coach for women, who you've also heard here on the Bossed Up podcast in the past. She and I did a written interview last year. I'll link to it in today's show notes. And I have to acknowledge my bias here because I applied to and considered going to grad school and I chose not to. And so For me, as someone who chose actively to not go to grad school, to then interview a money coach who also did not go to grad school, (laughs) kind of gives you only one side of the debate. So today, I'm really excited to be joined by a woman with a very different perspective in terms of her personal experience, who is a longtime member of the Bossed Up community, a bootcamp alum herself, and a member of our certified team of trainers. Her name is Rachel Hansen, and she is a higher education professional. She's also an elected official. She serves on her local school board. She is a spouse and a mother, and she is a writer who spends her time online sharing funny parenting anecdotes, discussing productivity hacks and time management strategies, and helping other people manage competing priorities just like hers. So Rachel Hansen, welcome to the Boss Up Podcast. I'm so glad you could be here. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I feel like you are a super member of the Boss Up community, being a longtime podcast listener, frequent boss move contributor, bootcamp alum, trainer team member. You've done it all. So this is delightful to have you here. Well, I am really, I'm just so delighted to be here. <laughs> to talk about going back to school because it is that time of the year (laughs) where I think it's on everybody's minds, whether you're in school or not. Absolutely. So tell me a little bit about your own journey to higher education. How did you get involved in higher ed, student advocacy, and you're a grad student yourself, right? I'd love to hear all about that. Yeah. So I really think of my career in higher education as starting out kind of completely by accident. Um, now I got involved in student advocacy as an undergraduate student, um, because one of my friends came to me when I was working on my associate's degree, uh, and she said, Rachel, we don't have any student senators. Yeah. So I agreed. I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. You know, I can be on the Senate. And that really led to a two year, uh, student advocacy whirlwind where I ended up serving both on my local campus in Virginia, Minnesota, and also as a statewide leader. Because after my one year on student senate, I ended up running for treasurer of the two-year student association in Minnesota. It's currently called LEAD MN. So I served in that position for a year. And while I was there, it was paid but not very much. And so I was also working as a student worker at a community college in just a little bit south of St. Paul. And after my year was up, I finished my associate's degree, basically office manager for the Counseling and Advising Center left. And the thing about state government is that it moves really slowly. It's really just all government it's slow, but you can usually hire somebody temporarily really quickly. And so they said, Rachel, you've basically been doing the job 
do you want to come on as staff? And I said, yeah, sure, that would be great. And that really launched me into a career in higher education. You know, shortly after leaving that college, I, I moved over to where I'm currently working, which is Metropolitan State University with multiple campuses around the Twin Cities. Oddly enough, there is also a Metropolitan State University of Denver. Oh, interesting. So what do you do in your role at Metropolitan State? In my role right now, I really am kind of a generalist. We help students from all walks of life, and we're an extremely diverse campus. Um, Over half students of color, mostly adult learners, really work to navigate this higher education journey. So really any question that a student might have, I've basically fielded all of it. Anything from, you know, why can't I register for this class? And then we talk about prerequisites and how, you know, sometimes you need to build on your knowledge to be able to sign up for a class to navigating the constantly changing minefield of financial aid and how to figure out how to pay for this. Because, of course, we don't live in a country where the taxpayers are going to fund your undergraduate or your graduate level degree. I think there's lots of people who would like to see that change. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's interesting, right? Because it's interesting to hear from your perspective as someone who navigated their own professional journey into student advocacy, you know, working primarily with community colleges, technical colleges, non-traditional students, right? And finding yourself not only somehow having, what, three babies now during this trajectory? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then going back to school on top of all of this, like, Rachel, how the hell do you do it all? Like, help me understand. (laughs) Well, so my bachelor's degree is in gender studies. And when I started out in that degree, what I wanted to do initially was to pursue a law degree and to represent families who had experienced domestic violence. Oh, wow. Yeah. I realized in my first semester of working on my like actual bachelor's degree at a university that being a lawyer is probably like the least sustainable career that you could ever imagine for yourself. And while I was perfectly happy to do, and am right now perfectly happy to do volunteer work, I realized that the families that I really wanted to help would all be volunteer work. So I'd be working you know, for money for people that maybe I wasn't really interested in helping, um, <laughs> to be totally honest. Well, also, there's just the financial component to, you know, when you're going to fund a law degree, the only way to pay that off is with real corporate, you know, money-making legal work. Right. And it can become really hard to do the kind of public service law that you want to do without never being able to pay down your loans. A friend of mine actually went back to school, went to architecture school, actually, when the Great Recession hit, like a lot of us did, right? So many people went back to school because there were no jobs to be had when the recession hit. And now she's a brilliant designer, but she's not in a corporate architecture role. So paying off those loans feels very daunting. Right. I kind of love, and I just want to underscore what you chose to do, which is not that you didn't choose to go to grad school, but 
you know, there are sometimes other avenues to get to helping the people you want to help. Exactly. That might not require a law degree, like in your instance. Yeah. But you found your way back to grad school anyway. How did that happen? <laughs> it did. So I was in it. So I was, so I've been working at Metropolitan State for the last five years, just in different departments. So the department I sure. was in, I hated it. I hated every second of it. And I was looking for something new. And at that point in my career, I knew that I was really interested in working with students. Mm-hmm. And I believe very firmly in the power of higher education to fuel yeah. upward mobility. You just have to be smart about how you do it. And so you yes. need people on your team who understand how to do that because it's the system is a pain in the ass, frankly, to <laughs> navigate. Yeah. Even for people who are like me, who are multi-generational college students, for somebody who has no family background, oh my gosh. <laughs> right. Yeah. They need totally. people who want to help them on their side. And not just bilk them for cash. Because I think a lot right. of a lot of schools, especially these for-profit colleges, are straight up predatory for yes. capitalizing on veterans, capitalizing on first-generation college students and, and just that American dream that's promised with higher ed and going through avenues like community and technical colleges or just colleges that have financial aid programs that are need-based or need-blind, I should say, or admissions departments that are need-blind. Right. You know, it. you're right. It is complicated for the most privileged among us to navigate. And so it's so helpful to have student advocates like you making that road a little easier. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So you knew you wanted to get into student advocacy, but you needed a degree to, to make that happen. Right. And so what I started looking at were like just basic advising positions, you know, so you're maybe you're an undergraduate student and you want to you want to finish your bachelor's degree in three and a half years instead of four years. Your academic advisor is really the person that you're going to go to to help you make a plan for that to happen. That needs a master's degree. Almost every academic advisor to be an academic advisor. And so I went, okay, well, interesting. It's not surprising that jobs in higher education seem to require higher education, is it? (laughs) It's true. It's not surprising at all, but it's that's funny. It feels a little bit like a Ponzi scheme. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of an MLM going on there, if I do say so myself. But uh, right. I guess it does make sense, though, because you you want folks in higher ed to be the most educated. Well, <laughs> I suppose true. that it's makes true. sense. But it is still a little bit frustrating because I think for those of us who maybe were starting to earn their bachelor's degrees before the recession hit. Mm. At least I was always told, and I know a lot of people, or a lot of people that I know are told, get your bachelor's degree in anything, because what employers are really looking for are the critical thinking skills that you develop from earning a bachelor's degree. Mm. It doesn't matter what it's in. And do you agree or disagree with that sentiment? Before 2007, maybe I would have agreed. Now I do not. What changed? Well, I think, as you just said a minute ago, right? Like a ton of people, when the recession hit, they said, well, I I lost my job. I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go back to school. 
all right, to get retrained in something that I know is going to pay the bills and put food on the table for my family. So in my own advocacy work, a lot of the people that I know went to technical colleges, which I think, in my own opinion, is a re- was a really smart move. Yeah. Right? Because then you're finishing your degree and you're educated and licensed to be an electrician, for example, right? Like I am a huge advocate for the trades. I almost I feel like we don't cover <laughs> that enough on this podcast. I'm a huge we have a trade talent shortage in this country right now. And there's oh, yeah. plenty of solid income to be made in the trades. And the trades are such an imp- incredible craft to develop. I think I've definitely been influenced by Brad the Boo, who <laughs> considers himself a bit of a craftsman. He and I read Shop Class as Soulcraft probably seven, eight years ago now, huh. and read all about how our public education system has completely gone away or done done away with shop class and technical education was looked down upon when we were in grade school. And now we have a serious economic problem as a result of that and a shortage that means those technical crafts pay well and there just aren't enough people who are going that route, which is an economical route. I'm trying to bully my little brother into technical (laughs) college right now, but no, no luck thus far. But um, no, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a big believer. One of the things that I did before going back to graduate school, just to kind of look for some professional satisfaction, which maybe not the most rational thing to do, but I'm glad that I did it anyway. I ran for the school board in my city which has been a fantastic experience. And you won, as I recall. So congratulations. As though you didn't have enough going on. Well, yeah, you know. uh, Well, when I ran for the school board, I only had one kid. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But one of the things that we are doing is working with district administration to develop career pathways so that when students graduate Mm. high school, the higher education or the post-secondary education, maybe is a better descriptor that they're getting, is a little bit more technical in nature, right? So we have students who are graduating with their nursing assistant licenses. We have students who are graduating as trained mechanics. High school? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. Wow, that's great. With that mechanic piece specifically, I know in my area, there's a lot of farmland, a lot of trucking, and not any mechanics that know how to service the trucks. And kids (laughs) didn't want to, and I do mean like, like real kids that are in like high school um, <laughs> didn't want to get into it because they thought it was dirty. But once they actually toured the facilities and realized that being a mechanic now is more about being like a computer programmer, they were totally into yeah. it. And a machinist. Yeah, I totally get that. That out of high school with no debt, they're making $60,000 a year. Wow. That's amazing. Right? Damn. <laughs> Take me back to your personal calculation to go back to grad school and how you balance that with the family that you have. Tell us a little bit about like the family you have now, how you not just like juggle it all, but made that decision as a family that mom's getting a grad degree. Yeah. And I think that's awesome, by the way. I don't think that mother and graduate student don't necessarily go well together. I think that's fantastic. But it is a a bit of a feat, you have to admit, because you've had three kids in the last, what, 
Five years? It's true. That's amazing. So going into it, the big push for like, okay, you know, we're going to do this and we're going to figure it out was because I was so miserable in my job. And I was a bad mom and I was a bad spouse because that's what happens when you're miserable at work. You're just, I feel like I'm a bad everybody. I'm a bad everything when I'm really miserable at work. Exactly. So I was like, okay, so we can make these sacrifices now for, you know, like boss up is all about for the long-term sustainability sacrifice for three years so that for the rest of the years, (laughs) right. Everything is, will be, you know, better and more sustainable. Now, the other piece of it, and actually the thing that I appreciate the most about being an adult learner is that I know what my learning style is more than I did as like an 18 year old who was brand new in college. So I already had a kind of an idea of what it was that I would need to do to be successful as a student. And, you know, for anybody who's listening who is, you know, maybe they're rusty and they don't know, you know, what are the rules? Because <laughs> rules are nice. What you should be planning for are two hours a week per credit of your class. So if you're taking a four credit class, I'm not going to say that I do this because I don't. Sure. But your like maximum benchmark should be 16 hours a week working on that class. Okay. So in class or outside of class or, or outside? Combined? Outside of class. Damn. Right. So one four credit class yields like 16 hours a week of homework. Yeah. In in theory. On top of going to class. In theory. Okay. <laughs> in theory. And obviously there's um, ways and I say to in like theory because I usually I will say personally, I generally don't spend more than like five hours a week on my classes. Right. But I think that if you start out with that high expectation, you're not going to be, you're not going to say, oh, well, yeah, I can take, you know, eight credits or 12 credits and it's going to be great. It's not right, no. going to be great. No. <laughs> Are you working part-time or full-time while you're going to school? I work full-time. What, Rachel? What? How? <laughs> You've got three young children. You work full-time. How many credits are you taking at a time? Just four. Okay. Now, in the program that I am in, there are two classes that are two credits each. So there have been two semesters spread out over the last three years where I took six. That was terrible. Yeah, that sounds pretty brutal. That was awful. (laughs) That sounds pretty brutal. I mean, I feel like you're making a calculated choice, right? You're you're taking the short-term pain for the long-term gain in terms of earnings? Like, what is, what is the gain for you? Like, what was the calculation? What did it boil down to that you would advise others to consider when making that choice? Yeah, so the other thing that I would advise and what really got me to take the plunge to start a graduate degree was my employer was paying for it. Hell to the yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. a big deal. That's a big differentiator. I'm in a union and one of my union negotiated benefits is free school. Hell yeah. So I really would say it's not worth it most of the time mm-hmm. if you're paying out of your own pocket because, of course, I think we talked about this at the top of the episode. Our country does not 
value education in a meaningful dollar and cents way as they have in the past. All that graduate students are eligible for in the United States are unsubsidized student loans. So that means that if you're taking out loans to pay for school, those are accruing interest from the second you take them out. And that sucks. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that is brutal. I actually had an interview with a financial coach, a money coach, Maggie Germano, who's also on the Boss Up Trainer team. And I'll link to that uh, interview in today's show notes because at some point it really boils down to personal financial circumstances. You know, are you making this investment out of pocket? If not, how much is the interest going to cost you to make this investment? And how long will it take your higher earnings to earn that back? And it's such a personal calculation. It really requires doing the math. And if you have an employer benefit or a hard-fought union-negotiated benefit that is going to waive those costs, then the calculation becomes very different. So I think that's a really important point to hammer home. Like there's no one size fits all answer on this question of whether grad school is worth it. Right. And I would say even, you know, maybe for listeners who, you know, you're thinking graduate school, what are you guys talking about? I don't even have a bachelor's degree. The same rule still applies in my opinion. Be looking real closely at what bachelor's degrees you're looking at, how much is your earning potential going to be? Because while it's true that on average, somebody with a bachelor's degree is making 57% more than somebody without a bachelor's degree. And that's in a, a Forbes article that I think is also going to be linked in the show notes. That is still an aggregate over hundreds of undergraduate majors. So you need to look at your individual earning potential with the degree that you're getting. If you're going back to school for a degree in gender studies, the payout's not going to be there. Don't do it. (laughs) Really? Surprise. No. (laughs) Honestly, this country should mandate that every 18-year-old or undergraduate who is not 18 sits down with a financial coach and does some math of compounding interest rates and what student loans actually mean. Because I didn't know jack shit about the loans I was taking on. Exactly. I don't even know if my little sister who's finishing her undergrad degree knows that much more than I did, even though we, we, she knows more than I did for sure. But like, I don't know how, by how much it's really hard to understand potential for earnings later on in life. So it's definitely a conversation we should all be having more explicitly. But beyond the earnings calculation, how did your family make these calculations? Tell us a little bit about your, the timeline with your children and your, your partner. Like, what did that look like in terms of supporting you and going back to school or like how you make it work? I I hate to be the one who's constantly asking women about work-life balance because I know that that in and of itself is something we don't ask men enough about. But I am really interested as someone who's like starting to have a lot of motherhood conversations (laughs) over here. It's just, it's daunting. And I'm curious how you, like what your advice would be. And so I feel like in you and Brad's episode, like your anniversary episode the other day, you did such an awesome job talking about this. You're constantly compromising. So my husband, Nathan, when he finished his bachelor's degree, He was really being pushed by 
I mean, in a positive way, um, he was really being pushed by a lot of people that were mentors to him during his bachelor's degree to move forward with a master's degree. And so he did that almost like immediately. Like he finished his bachelor's degree in December and started a master's degree in January. And so we had a lot of practice by the time I went back to school in juggling the workload. In a sense, we were kind of just trading right from him being in school at a graduate level to me being in school at a graduate level. But of course, it wasn't totally the same because I think one thing that is really important to me as a mother in that identity is it's really important for me to breastfeed my kids. And I've done that with all three of my kids and that's something that I'm really proud of. But that also means that I have to be really accessible like to the, the kids. Yeah. You, you got to be around. Right. I'm the food. Right. Like physically. Attached. So, and then you get somebody like, yeah. you know, like my baby now, my little guy, Michael, who's will be one next week. Oh my goodness. He won't take a bottle. So, yeah. and that stuff, I mean, that stuff you can't predict. Right. You have no idea, right? Like when you, when you decide to have a baby, you know, you have a super fun time with your partner, you make a baby, you don't have any idea what's going to come out from that. And it might be a baby like Michael, who won't take bottles. So so then you're looking at, okay, what does this, you know, as you're negotiating with your spouse, like, okay, what does this look like? If I have to be on tap, right? Because even if even if breastfeeding wasn't super important to me <laughs> with him, it was really important to him. And so right. it was important to me too. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of this constant negotiation between you and your partner. That is interesting. What are you going to take on? Yeah. What just gets left? Like I remember like pre-kids, kitchen was always clean before we yep. went to bed at night. It's not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> No judgment. No judgment here. No. I think that's a good point. That's like Tiffany Dufu's message, drop the ball, right? And you're taking on the short-term sprint of having babies and getting your degrees so that you can further your earnings and your education for yourself and for your family moving forward. And it sounds to me like, and correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me like you're saying you just find a way you make it work, you negotiate, you ask for help. Yeah. And I think for anybody listening who is like, gosh, that's such a bullshit thing to say. Yes, it is. But it's also true. Um, (laughs) You know, you kind of, you you just work it out. And I think there are different strategies for doing that. You know, like I'm somebody who loves a good list. I love lists. I'll make a list and I'll put it up on the fridge and I'll be like, okay, so I <laughs> and that's why you love boss up, I bet. <laughs> no, I'm gonna do this, 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 and this. Nathan, anything that you want to take on, please feel free. You know, and we get it done. You know, the bills get paid, our house is still standing, our landlords haven't evicted yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it is just like kind of a constant figuring out what's important and what you can ditch. Yeah. Yeah. And I think my my last big question for you is like, are you happy with your choice to go back to school? And if you could do it all over again, would you make the same choice? I'm very happy with the decision that I made to go back to school. And yeah, 
I think I would make really the exact same choice again. Because my program is great. Um, you know, I really like that marriage between government work, you know, with public administration and partnering with nonprofits, because I think as we move forward, that's going to become increasingly important, especially as our elected officials don't really seem to believe in doing really much of anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you you got to watch what you say, because you're an elected official, it sounds like, up for re-election soon, I hear, yes? It's true. It's true. So <laughs> I love it. Well, Rachel, any last thoughts or like words of wisdom or advice that you would give to someone who's considering whether going back for another degree is right for them and or how on earth they would make it work with their personal lives? So one thing that I think that you need to do before you decide to go back, before you even decide to apply, sit down and kind of map out like what a regular week looks like for you. You know, where can you find that time? Or if you're look, you know, if you're looking at it, you're going, oh my God, my life is so full. I can't find the time. But you still feel this inexplicable urge to pursue another degree, you know, to change your career or whatever. Try to decide what you need to ditch. My other piece of advice is to figure out how you're gonna pay for it before you go in. You know, because especially if you're going to graduate school, the interest rate on those unsubsidized loans will get you. And the other, this last piece of advice is kind of a weird one, but stick with me on it. If you have the option to earn a degree from an institution that you've already graduated from, do it. Because there are usually scholarships for alumni. Your application fee is typically waived. You're going to save a lot of money and you're also going to save yourself a lot of time in applying because they already have your records. That is a really good point. I never thought about that before. It was part of the reason that I, maybe a small part, but part of the reason that I decided to get my graduate degree where I got my bachelor's degree. Because I didn't have to send my records anywhere and I didn't have to pay to apply. Mm. And you gotta, you gotta, Keep those pennies right. when you can. You got to like crunch those numbers where you can, cut those corners where you can. Right. Well, I mean, graduate school applications are expensive, right? You're looking at 75 to $95 a pop. I mean, really, if you're like a, a family of, if it's just you or maybe a family of two, you apply to two graduate programs. Those are your groceries for the right. week. Right. Oh, my goodness. That's no joke. So those are kind of my three highlights and then I sh I'm going to add a bonus a bonus highlight before we sign on yeah when you're applying to schools look for ones that are regionally accredited I think those ones that we were talking about earlier the for-profit ones those are nationally accredited so they are yes accredited but they're really predatory and because they're nationally accredited and this is like zero percent intuitive at all if they fold, there's nothing to protect you. So regional accreditation is what you want to look for. Whoa. So regional, where do you find out? Like, is it per college you ask about their personal specific collegiate accreditation? Yeah. So if you, on most school websites, if you just go to the About Us page, they'll tell you who accredits them. And they'll tell you regionally or nationally. So look for regional 
not for national. Yes? Forget national. It sounds better. It's really not. Interesting. That is a helpful little boss tip. I love it. If you want to learn more about Rachel and check out today's show notes, including that interview I mentioned, some relevant articles that have to do with some of those statistics you heard Rachel reference when it comes to the benefits and potential costs of getting an extra degree or pursuing further higher education, head to bossedup.org slash episode 156 and weigh in in the comment section there to let me know what you thought of our discussion. Now it's time for this week's Boss Move Moment of the Week. Hi, my name is Callie Martin. About two months ago, I started working for the state of Minnesota doing financial analytics and reporting for certain state agencies in regard to their IT spend. And it was a really big move for me, an exciting change. I have been in the natural food industry for over the last decade and was feeling really frustrated that I didn't have a lot of opportunity for growth in areas that I wanted to and was also struggling with the organization that I had been at with some of the toxic work culture from the upper leadership and just after two and a half, almost three years feeling like, you know, I was actively being held back. And so about last February, I I began looking for other jobs. And initially, I had felt boxed in in my career because I had was in natural food. I went to college for sustainable agriculture and then had sort of fallen into financial analytics accidentally, but realized it was something that I was very passionate about and that I enjoyed doing. And so, you know, I had a couple of people who I was close to who really pushed me and encouraged me to step outside of my comfort zone of staying in natural food and pursuing a career that I was passionate about in analytics, in financial analytics. And I'm really glad that I had that. One person had said, you know, men apply for jobs that they're, you know, 50 or 60 percent qualified for, while women often only apply for jobs that they're 100 percent qualified for. And so I really took that to heart when I applied for my current role it was a stretch. I I wasn't qualified for everything that was entailed in the job. But what I really found is that they were hiring for soft skills. They wanted somebody who had a customer service background, but in tandem with financial analytics, which is really what I have been doing. Yes, boss, I am cheering you on. Congratulations. And thank you so much for calling this boss move in. I feel like this time of year, I see so many women just crushing their goals and sharing on the Courage community. I really appreciate it when you call them in so we can end every episode of the full Bossed Up podcast on a high note. And honestly, just hearing more women talk positively about themselves is part of how we're changing the game when it comes to women, ambition, and self-love, right? Self-worth and being our own best advocates and best champions. So thank you for calling it in. If you've got a boss move to share 
Or if you have a career conundrum you want me to break down with my expert guests on another episode coming up soon, call the Boss Up Podcast hotline now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. Until then, share today's episode with the women in your world who you think could use it or the men. Honestly, this is a really fruitful conversation that anybody could benefit from, especially if you're on the brink of going back to school. And until next time, keep bossing in pursuit of your purpose and together we'll lift as we climb.